come to me on the day my daughter's to be married. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to see how I could do it. Uh, Cut that part out. Let me try. Let me try. You come. <clears throat> you come to me on the day my daughter is to be married. I mean, no. that's better than me. It just kind of falls apart as I as I go. Um, did you know? Did you look at the title, dear listener? We're talking about The Godfather. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the highest grossing movie in 1972, The Easily. Godfather. I said highest grossing, and you're saying easily? Mamma mia. I don't know. Um, we're I just talking, wanted to participate, be a part of this. We're talking about gangsters. We're talking about Italians. We're talking about love, drama, film, baby. Family <laughs> and respect. Yes, and so here we are. Uh, we just finished up the DC Extended Universe, and we took a sharp turn. And Very necessary. We prescribed it to ourselves. We took one dose of The Godfather, and we got two more to go. Yes, we do. And um, the only problem with us covering the series right now in our lives is it is an unreasonably hot summer. Uh-huh. And hopefully by the time this comes out, it'll have subsided a little bit. But we, our air conditioner is very loud, and so we have to basically go, okay, we're going to go three hours with no air conditioning. And so I know Godfather 2 is even longer, so I'm slightly concerned about that. How long is that one? I think it's like, th- it's at least three and a half hours, but it might be Oof. closer to four. It's Oof. a long, long movie. And okay. it's a great, great Maybe movie. Maybe we should watch it somewhere else. Yeah, like go to your parents or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so... Here we are. We're talking Godfather. And when was the first time you saw this movie? Oh, I don't know. But I've seen it. Okay. I've I as a kid saw it a lot on TV, but there was a moment in time where I re- I did sit down and watch it, and it was definitely with my dad because it was like I find I need to piece everything together. I don't know when that was. I mean like young adult. Right. Time. So you just don't know. No, I mean, this this movie, and I think this is true probably for a lot of people, this is a movie that has always existed and will always exist. Yeah. When, when movies are brought up. Exactly. I mean, this is oftentimes cited as, if not the best, the like second best movie to ever be made, or certainly mm-hmm. American film mm-hmm. to be made. And and I, I, I would... Uh, I, w- I could concede that this potentially... Is um the best American film, yeah. I mean, I, I think I'd be kind of comfortable saying that. I know Citizen Kane is the other one that people bring up, um, which is also unbelievable. But I mean, I, I like I like this movie more. It's more like yeah, what I yeah, want. Yeah. Although Citizen Kane is also like everything I like about stories as well. Right. Um but this is really fun and exciting because we're usually doing these big action movies. They're usually blockbusters. Mm-hmm. To some extent, and so this is totally different, and yet it's something that everybody's seen, or if they haven't seen, they're certainly like, okay, this is my excuse to finally watch it. And I know franchises lend themselves more to blockbuster action movies, but it is you can't talk about movies without talking about a gangster movie. That is as much of American cinema as Fast and Furious. You know, yeah, you know that you have, and I'm glad we get to talk about. A mafia franchise. 
Yes. Well, and I, I don't know that there's many more because usually you just make Not good just, fellas. Yeah, that's what know. I mean. It's, I'm glad that we get to talk about a mafia movie yeah. three times. Um, the first time I saw this movie, I'm not entirely certain either. Yeah. But I remember for at least the first, at least the, probably the first two, I just hadn't seen them and I was in high school and I went to this, this like, uh, conference. Uh, it was like a worship summit thing to learn how to play guitar better and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And when we went there, I brought a portable DVD player that I borrowed. You watched it in the car? Hang on. I brought a portable DVD player that I borrowed from Shane, friend of the show, guest on our Patreon. Um, and I borrowed the movies from Shane as well. And you watched it in the car? No, 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 no. Well, kind you of. You still watched it on a portable DVD player. But I, I went to, like, we would have these hour-long lunches at the summit. So then I was, then I'd go to the car and watch The Godfather. I don't know why, but that's so annoying to me. <laughs> Um, and then and I, it's not. I just want to make yeah, that clear. I know. But then I went to. Then I watched it with my dad at some point. Then you and I watched it at some point. Is so this, this one was of those, my fourth viewing of the movie. Is this one of those weird things with your dad where he has never seen it until he, you watched it with him? I no. I think he'd seen it. He was just like, I don't remember anything okay. from this movie except for like the opening scene of the movie that everyone remembers. Uh huh. So right. um, yeah. So it was on Netflix a few years ago, and we we threw it on, and and now thanks to your aunt Trisha, I have the the Blu-ray one, two, and three, yep. so we are good to go. Yep. Um. So let's talk a little bit about this movie. Well, well, sh- uh, I mean, first off, front load. If you're expecting some hot take where we say, actually, this movie's really bad or something, you might as well turn it off. This movie's a masterpiece. It's perfect. <laughs> uh. Everything about it, I love. It is so interesting. There are so many themes and things that this movie is about. And I'll get into it when we get into it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, this is like Michelangelo's David put to film. You look at it. Okay. You look at it and you go, yeah, there's nothing else that needs to be done. Yeah. As far as film goes, it's like, yeah, you explored it all. I mean, I I was watching a making of thing. And uh, Steven Spielberg was talking, and he said, oh, I, I liked watching this movie, and mm. it's great. Yeah. But it is a little, when you watch it, you're kind of like, shoot, I as a filmmaker will never do something like this. Yeah. And that's Spielberg talking. I know. You know? But I know. He, he seems to be kind of a humble guy. So. Well, he's your classic nerd, and mm-hmm. I love that about him. But, uh, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about how this movie was made. So the director is Francis Ford Coppola, and he started working with Roger Corman, who is, he was a B-movie producer and director, and he would, he, he helped find a, a lot of really famous directors. Yeah. Um, like, uh, oh my gosh, who's the guy who directed Silence of the Lambs? Uh, Jonathan Demi. Jonathan Demi, and and I th- I believe Scorsese maybe Next I, I step think in there. I think. Um, and so he'd do these exploitation films. They'd usually have like a lot of sex or violence or whatever. Okay. Um, sometimes not so much, but anyway. So so they made these movies, and so Francis does two movies for him, and then he goes on to do this musical called Finian's Rainbow which is, like, about a leprechaun and stuff like that. Um, 
And then he does this movie called Rain People. And then that leads us to The Godfather. Yep. So this is, but, but. Is this the movie though, where he had to like take out loan? Basically it was like, let me make this movie and I will make six for you. No. Oh, okay. Oh, when no. does that happen in his career? Because um, he basically like gets into debt on purpose to make his passion projects, which means how he pays back his studios by making movies. Um, I no, this is not that. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think what that would be because he he also he Must tries to later. start his own studios. Yeah, so, a couple. I times. just know that th- that happened to him. Yeah. Um. Well, hopefully we'll figure it out by yeah. the time we're done with this series. Um, so him and George Lucas are buddies, mm-hmm. have been for a while. They came up together. Um, Francis Ford Coppola is the one who like gives money to get American Graffiti made. And uh, THX 1138, mm-hmm. which is George Lucas's first film. So George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola, they start this studio called Zoetrope Studios. And... The movie that they do is THX 1138, and it bombs hard. Yeah, but it's like a cult classic now, right? It's a cult classic now, but at the time, no one saw it. And so that puts them $400,000 in debt. Uh-huh. And then someone says, hey, Francis Ford Coppola, would you like to direct The Godfather? And he's like, no, I'm not interested in it. The book is not that good. I don't like the book. It's it's uh, like sensationalist, and it's uh-huh. it's not interesting to me. And then George Lucas says, Francis, we want to keep making movies. You need to do this. Yeah, I think that really, though, is like the story of Francis Ford Coppola's career. It is, yeah. Where he's He's had to make a lot of movies he didn't care to make to make things he wanted to make. And how right. and how he wanted to do it. I mean, I know that's kind of like the story of a director, mm-hmm. but a important thing to think about uh, during this time in film history, uh, before Francis Ford Coppola, before George Lucas, like before these guys and Spielberg, like of course, like people would go to the theaters a lot and movies were popular, but they like made movies. They uh-huh. made films. I mean, Spielberg made the first blockbuster. Like these guys made movies that made people like talk about them for years after they came out or like people would be clamoring to the theaters to see their movies. And there's other directors within that who are also part of that time period. Um, so that it, it is like, yeah, that story is kind of a lot of directors stories, but it's yeah. like, I think he has a you know his own unique thing going on too. Absolutely, and and that's a great point because the studios. I mean, this is like film is kind of dying in this. Uh-huh. At least according to these guys, it's like yeah. you have studios doing you know they're not taking chances. Yeah. Um, and so George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, and Francis Ford Coppola, and Martin Scorsese. Uh-huh. As far as American cinema are concerned, you could probably say they're like the Mount Rushmore of the saviors of American cinema. And if you want to learn more, uh, read the book Easy Riders Raging Bulls. I forget who wrote it, but that's the title. And it is about how the 60s, how like you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll saved the film industry. So the 60s and the 70s. Mm-hmm. And it's all about the people you just mentioned, including Terrence Malick and some other directors I know... Um, uh, the guy who did Bonnie and Clyde. I forget his name. I forget his Warren name as something. well. Warren, Warren Beatty. Beatty. Or Beatty, yeah. Um, him too. It's just like the most interesting book on film that I've ever read. 
because it's more about it's not just about film it's about culture mm-hmm. and how they a lot of these directors represented culture american yeah. culture yeah. actually but it's awesome cool. and i talk well, about it all the time with mike and he's still to read it still I yet to literally read it. just keep forgetting i would about reread it. that book it was so good i need to read it um but so let's see where we're at studio craziness things aren't looking good george lucas says you have to make this so france ford coppola agrees to make it now um we're gonna sidetrack and i know there's a lot to say but it's actually not too much at the same time um uh let's see where is it the book is published in 1969 and robert evans who's a producer buys the rights really cheaply and he gets Puzo, Mario Puzo, the writer, mm-hmm. to um, begin making a screenplay. And he was, uh, he worked at Paramount. Or no, is this a Paramount movie? I don't remember. Oh, crap. Um, he worked at the studio that made this movie. Yeah, he worked at the studio that made this movie. Oh, I wrote it right here. It says Paramount. <laughs> so Robert Evans worked at Paramount and... They had put out this movie called Brotherhood that had Kirk Douglas in it, and it was a gangster movie. Oh, okay. Nobody saw it. Okay. And so he was like, okay, we have to rethink this. So he goes, we have to have an Italian-American. That movie was like no Italians were in it. So we need an Italian-American director. We need their vision, and we need, I mean, a lot of the actors in this are not Italian, but we need a director to lead this. Uh Uh-huh. So they think, "Who's, who's a better choice than... The man with no name himself, creator, Sergio Leone. Let's uh-huh. get Sergio Leone to make this uh-huh. movie. The That would have been a good movie still. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and here's what he did. He turned it down because he was making Once Upon a Time in America. Yeah, okay. Which is a, is a movie like The Godfather. Yeah. So but I know good. it's really good. It's just hard to pull the trigger because I think it's three hours and 50 minutes. I know. But it's really good. One of, I mean, it's De Niro. Yeah, I know. And it's one of his best. Is I that mean, the one that Jennifer Con- Connelly is in? And she's super young. Or am I thinking of another She movie? is in that. Yeah. Okay. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, would definitely, if you like The Godfather, you will like Once Upon a Time in America. It's not quite as good, but it's also different enough that you don't really have to compare the two. Uh-huh. Um, so they, he turns it down. Then once they go down... 11 more guys, or 10 more guys, they finally get to Francis Ford Coppola and offer him the movie. So he's That's their 12th crazy. choice. And um, then now we're in the production part of this. The actual, they're huh? making the movie. Uh, the studio wanted um, a $2.5 million budget, and they wanted to set it in modern day and film it in Kansas City. What? Because it would have all been way cheaper. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're under 12th director, it's not like you have much belief in this movie. Yeah. Other than it's going to give you a paycheck. It's like they wanted to just make like what was hot now because it was in New York Times bestseller. Make it get people to see it. You know, you see this all the time, especially with like that happens all the time, like YA books and stuff like that, where it's like, just get it out there. Yeah. We don't really care. Just get it done. Make some money. Move on to the next thing. Not just YA books, like pretty much any political thriller that does well. Uh, Right. Exactly. And, um, but Coppola is like, no, I I can't do that. And speaking to your point, that's the story of his career. Every movie that he makes is like the biggest struggle in the world from Godfather on. Yeah. I mean, he can't, I don't even think he's able to make movies anymore. If, even if he wanted to, like. He's too busy making wine. (laughs) Yeah, he is. But Coppola starts to be, he's like 
making the studio nervous. He's doing like way too many screen tests. He wants to hire this actor Marlon Brando, who everyone knows is, is like the worst difficult to, to work, work with. with. Yeah, he and, gives Edward um, Norton a run for his money on difficult to work with. Oh, I think he far surpasses yeah. him. And then um, the production was falling behind. They're getting behind schedule. And then, Wait, quick question. Yeah. Who did Apocalypse Now? Francis Ford Coppola. Why would he work with Marlon Brando again? I don't think he had a bad experience with him on this movie. Oh, okay. He has a famously like horrible one of the worst experience. Hollywood stories of actor relationships. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. And we might touch on that just a pinch when yeah. we're getting there because I know, I think that comes out after Godfather 2. And then, okay, yeah. But anyway, they finally allow him to cast Brando. If Brando accepts a lower salary and he's put and they put up a bond to ensure that he would not cause any delays in production. Oh my goodness. Oh, I think he puts up a bond. So okay. they're like, they're like, we're not gonna fall uh -huh. for this, Brando. Like, you need to show yeah. up, you need to do it. Um, and so the studio's just like, this is scary, this is not good. What are we gonna do? And then they see the dailies for the restaurant scene where Michael Corleone gets the gun out uh -huh. of the toilet uh -huh. and shoots the guys. And the studio's like, oh, okay, you got this. And they're like, great. That's what we needed to see. We now trust you. So the restaurant scene, not only in the movie does it solidify what you're watching and you're like, if I wasn't in by now, now I'm really in. Yeah. It did for the studios as well. Um, And so then just a couple more details. Um, Martino who is the musician in the movie. He gets cast in this movie. Francis oh, Ford Coppola. The, the actor. Yes, the actor. He gets cast in the movie. Francis Ford Coppola says, no, I don't want him in the movie. So the real-life Martino goes to his godfather, who is a, uh, let's see. Uh, Probably a Don. His godfather and a crime boss. Uh -huh. And he says, hey, they won't give me the role for this movie. And so... His crime boss and godfather orchestrates a publication of various news articles that claimed Coppola was unaware of, like, some of the casting stuff. And uh -huh. so he starts these, like, rumors. Uh -huh. Whether they're true or not, who knows? And then it eventually caused the person who was cast instead of Martino to drop out because they're like, I don't want to be involved in a potential, like, gang thing. And then the guy gets cast, which, if you've watched this movie... That's the plot of that character. Yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> I know. So, do you do you think like does that happen for real in those the book or like in the original script? Because that's like so sensational that it almost sounds like they changed the script to better fit. I would I would guess no. Yeah. Simply because I don't think that they would want to tie it to a real life. Yeah, that's crime true. boss. That's true. Um, so it just I think it just sort of happened. And then um, the cinematographer on this movie is a guy named Gordon Willis. Good job. Who did All the President's Men. Yeah. Lots of Woody Allen movies and The Beatles at Shea Stadium. Um, and one thing I wanted to say about him is Willis and Coppola decided that they were going to use a tableau format um, so that it looked like a painting. And they were not going to use any modern, like, zooms or mm -hmm. any any like modern technique mm -hmm. and as you can tell it's a lot of just dolly panning mm -hmm. sitting there and it's interesting beautiful yeah <laughs> um and so they also like really talked a lot about the lighting you know like 
this movie has a nice yellow tint to mm-hmm. it that's really gorgeous and all that. So they, they just really wanted it to look like this is a painting, this is epic, this is not a, you know, buy a bestseller, make a movie really fast kind mm-hmm. of movie. This is art. Yes. And so um, I will get into the people who made this movie after you tell us about some actors. Okay, so referring to the new biographical dictionary of film by David Thompson. I looked yeah, up... Yeah, we pull out the big guns for this episode, folks. <laughs> I looked up the the big characters in this movie, so starting with Marlon Brando. Let me tell you, this guy hates Marlon Brando. He has Does nothing he really? good to say about him. He really? pretty much says, comes out strong, and then just coasts from then on there. Even his Godfather performance. He believes That's that crazy. he was... T- it's kind of saying it was tired. Um, But, you know, his big breakout is a streetcar named Desire... Um, but he's also been in things like on the waterfront. He liked him in that movie. And, and I will say this streetcar named desire. Um, maybe I should try watching it. Didn't really love that movie, but Brando is electric in that movie. It, it is definitely like, Oh, who's this guy? If you didn't know. Go ahead. Yeah, no. Yeah. That's pretty much what he says about the movie. Um, but he's in a, a streetcar name or sorry on the waterfront. Desiree, Julius Caesar, which was written by Mankiewicz. Oh, Herman? It just says, Mank- I think that's how it's spelled. Okay. I, shouldn't, I shouldn't say that for sure. But he says it as if we all know who it is. You know I, I, I just mean? think there are like, I think there's like two or three Mankiewicz in oh, Hollywood. Maybe it's not him. Um, but he's also in, like we mentioned, Apocalypse Now. Um, he is one of the big, 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 biggest names in Hollywood. And you think of like old Hollywood, you think of Marlon Brando. Oh, yeah. And this is one of his touchstone performances of his career. Whether or not someone thinks it's tired <laughs> or not, like it's still, and I don't agree with that. Um, oh, I think it's such a fantastic performance. It's all, I feel like this guy, and I, have, I, I haven't read this whole dictionary of actors, <laughs> but I get the sense that this guy is a very negative person. Uh, and if someone isn't electrifying, if they do a soft performance, it's lazy to him. Yeah. Because he loves James Caan, specifically in this role. And James Caan, electrifying performance. He plays yeah. Sonny. He's huge. He, he's, you know, the biggest, loudest character in this movie. Yeah. And it's wonderful. So well-written. Oh, yeah. So I have, well acted. There's no, there's no performance in this movie that's off, I I'm don't I'm fighting think. with this guy. Yes, yes. I'm just clarifying um, for the listener. But he also is saying that later on in Khan's career, he becomes tired <laughs> as well. Um, I wish you all could have seen Jordan's expression when she said that, as she's holding up this huge book. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is in. Um, he is in Elf. <laughs> the one thing that's not. Oh no, it's mentioned right here. He's an Elf, of course. Um, he is also in, I guess, Bottle Rocket. I don't remember that. Really? I don't remember That's that what either. This says. Um, I've only seen that once, though. Um, he's in, in The Boom, Warden of the Rock, A Glimpse of Hell in the Shadows, Night of the Golden Eagle. I mean, he's been around since, uh, you know, before The Godfather. He's in a Michael Mann movie, Thief, that we need to watch. I just keep forgetting. Have you seen it? No, but it's like the movie he made is, before Manhunter. Is he the thief? Oh, he's the thief. Cool. And he's looking for jewels. Yeah, I, I just I there were some things that I really liked that he had mentioned about some of the actors. Um like in The Godfather was the end to to Khan's youth. 
He was more reserved thereafter and likely took himself too seriously as this guy's take on it. Okay. That's interesting. I have not seen... Kind of the thing, though, is, you know, this is my opinion about this person's opinion. I don't know enough about uh, Brando's career. Yeah. Or or even Khan's career. He's great in Elf. Well, you know know what's kind of an interesting thing? So we're not that old, right? We're not even 30 yet. And we watch so many movies and stuff, but say we go hey, let's do a deep dive on Brando, we're not going to watch The Stinkers because we're, yeah. like, beyond that. Whereas now we, like, Chris, Pine, uh, Chris uh, Pratt. Pratt is We've a good example. Since the beginning. Where it's like, I, I've been around, I've seen a lot of his movies and his performances, and I, and I can r- say, like, my thought on him because I think there's stuff yeah. he's really good at, and I think there's stuff he sucks at. Yeah, and, you know, maybe I need to take this person's word for it a little bit more. I mean, he wrote a dictionary on actors. So yeah. he obviously, <laughs> some people, you know, values his opinion. It's, it's just interesting, though, because it's like, if we go back, and you're talking about James Caan, we're going to be hitting, like, the cool parts of james Caan's career we're not gonna like go through and watch every james Caan movie right right you know that's that's true and similarly with robert duvall he really likes robert duvall okay because uh, that would be i mean his his whole crazy. take on robert duvall though and i think i would agree although i haven't seen all of the robert duvall movies <laughs> he's a really really strong quiet supporting actor absolutely that is like that's his perfect. strength and his, his I love take that. is like anytime he's tried to carry a movie it just doesn't quite work for him okay and i think i've only seen him in really strong supporting roles yeah really Man, you know what i just love movies so much <laughs> i love this this is great <laughs> um but robert duvall is also in Lawman. he's in thx 1138 he's the lead um and then he's also in to kill a mockingbird yeah, he's Boo. Yeah. Or, yeah. No. Yeah, uh, Boo Radley. Which, it's okay, so when we started this, you said, Micah, have we talked about how Robert Duvall is just born an old man? Yeah. And I said, I don't know if we have, but I love that. That's hilarious. And I, when I watched To Kill a Mockingbird, he, look he looks older? like an old man. <laughs> it's, I think... He just has an old face. Like, he yeah. looks like well, old Hollywood. Well, he just Hollywood. looks like he has he... such understanding, and he's lived several <laughs> lives in his eyes when you look at them. Um, he's also in True Grit... The, uh, the 69 movie. The John Wayne. Uh, yeah, The Rain People, The Con- Conversation, The Killer Elite. Um, I, I like what he said, too, about him. Was ever a role better designed for its actor than that of Tom Hagen in Parts of the Godfather? Robert Duvall, the actor, relates to high stardom like an Irishman among Italians. Oh, man. And, and as you're going to the next one, I just want to say, I think the first time you watch this movie... You you can't help but be struck by Brando and then Pacino, uh-huh. who are just the best. They're amazing. But for me, this time watching the movie, I was like dumbfounded and just totally enthralled by Robert Duvall more than anyone else on this watch. So good. He's I so mean, good. he is unbelievable. He carries this movie in a in a weird way. He does, and he mentions obviously Godfather Two stuff that I forgot about, and it's like, ooh, that's gonna break my heart when we get to it. Oh, man. I, just forgot I don't remember happened. either. And then we have Diane Keaton, who plays... Do you remember her name? Kay. Kay. Um, and she is so good in this movie. Amazing. 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 And he... <laughs> I love this movie! He loves Diane Keaton. Okay, good. And he says some things about Kay's character that are like, holy crap, man. Yes. Um, she has shown herself as a real actress in both parts of The Godfather. So good that it was distressing to hear her conventional complaint that the men in it had all the big scenes. 
Um, oh, that's King's interesting. K is a grim, hurt face forever being shut out of a family of family conclaves. She comes to realize that she has been hired for breeding, and she goes through a separation from her children to maintain her sense of values. The movie might have abandoned Puzo's original and given her the dignity of action, taking her own children and daring the ultimate revenge from her self-pitying fascist husband. But that would have needed... Oh, yeah. But yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a good take yeah. on that character. Yeah, I love that. That is like she, her purpose. And, you know, like she is motivated only by Michael. Uh-huh. And it's if, if anything, it's like a like if there's something done about it. Yeah. In, in this movie. And I'm assuming in the next one as well that I just don't remember. Well, I, I think what what's really good about because, you know, we we try to talk about sexism in Hollywood and mm-hmm. like roles and stuff as best as we're able. And um what what I think is interesting that that Scorsese I think is like a master at from mm-hmm. from my perspective is is like the movie The Irishman you know his daughter in that movie says like very little in the movie at all and I remember there were complaints when that came out people were talking about how this movie was so sexist you know the, the like take for example this character she says almost nothing. But to me, I watch that movie, and and I put this movie in that category too, The Godfather, where it's like the character doesn't have to say these things. I understand that both Francis Ford Coppola and Martin Scorsese are in are are saying that masculine culture, when run like this, is not good. It's very obvious to me that they are not saying like, yeah, women are in their place. And that is not what these movies are about. Especially in Goodfellas. Uh, oh, which yeah. is, I think, does a really good job of showing uh, Ray Liotta's wife's perspective. Yeah. I can't remember. Levant. Le, uh, Le, 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 Le it starts with an you L. look it up? Uh, yeah, I'll look up her name. Um, But they he does such a justice to that character in showing what she's going through and all of, and because it's another gangster movie. But the, the interesting thing to think about in gangster movies is they, like, Gangsters are were men. Like yes, yeah. That's the that's the whole issue with it. And Goodfellas is really good because it also shows addiction well. Um, and it usually in those movies, it's like th- oh, I'm I'm making so much money, I'm doing so well, I'm providing for my family, I'm doing I'm being such a great guy right now. And that's always like the first act and a half of the movie, and then yeah. the rest of it is dealing with how terrible all that <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah. So you know, if you watch those movies and are like, I want that you're not you're missing the point you're missing the entire movie what's interesting about the godfather is they it it is like much more complicated they spend more time with it which makes this all more complicated i mean i'm not saying that this is all good and okay because i don't think it is like people are getting murdered and there's like wars happening between families and you do get to the end of the movie and all k wants is for michael to just be honest with her and he says the one time this is the one time he'll be honest with her and he lies to her yeah and it, it, that's just showing you that that is her life. She's like damned to this role, yeah, as being a a woman who's just supposed to raise her, their kids until her sons are old enough to be part of the family business, and then the daughters have to go out and marry men to do the same thing. Yeah, and uh, in the good in Goodfellas, her name's Lorraine Bracco. Yeah, and who's the actress? Or that's her name, okay. her real life name, Lorraine Bracco. Oh, okay. That's the therapist from Sopranos. Oh, honey. <laughs> oh, so Diane Keaton is in a lot of stuff. I don't care to talk about more the beginning of her career because 
it's not great anymore and it's messed up stuff um that she hasn't really done anything about um oh because of woody allen stuff yeah and, and like being supportive of him and continues to be supportive of him okay. um but she is also in marvin's room on thin ice because i said so smother mad money and several other things Mad money the movie that uh rach uh, uh batman begins rachel dawes chose to do instead of the dark knight remember oh what's mad money it's a movie that no one saw and we the only reason we know it exists is because we all go how come she wasn't in the dark knight oh yeah she was doing this movie oh brother and then lastly we have (laughs) al pacino who uh wasn't very well known before the godfather this is i think you would say his breakout studios did not want to hire him yeah they wanted robert redford so huh because I guess in the book, he's described basically looking exactly like Robert Redford. What? And and uh, Francis, in his wisdom, uh, was like, no, it's got to be this guy. And the studios were like, who is this guy? They do such a... It, that would have been so off. And I, I love know, Robert I know. Redford. Oh, yeah. Best hair in Hollywood. Uh, young Al Pacino can get it. Mike and I decided. <laughs> as so, we can James so can James Conn. So can James Conn. Um. It sounds so, like I'm saying soaking James Con <laughs> dipped in so, a pool. Prior to The Godfather, he was in Me, Natalie, and Panic in Needle Park. I have seen that Panic in Needle Park, and that is a, a stressful movie. So those are the ones he's done before this one. Is that it? Um, or it that you can tell from the dictionary? Yep, that was it. Cool. So yeah, he considers those quirky films deemed worthy of, of an enterprising off-Broadway actor. Okay. Um, so... He loves Al Pacino. He is Big Al now. Okay, good. Says the says Thompson. When American television remakes both parts of The Godfather in 1977 and poured them out again in chronological order, a striking error emerged. Whereas Brando and De Niro had won Oscars in the films. By the way, De Niro's not in this one, just so people know. Yeah. Um, for distinguished performances, Al Pacino went unrewarded, and he considers that a travesty. Yeah, that's fair. That he didn't get enough recognition. <laughs> Um, yet he dominates the work as the story advances. Pacino's Michael betrays values and gentleness with creeping isolation and turns the social spectacle of immigrant glory into a bitter chamber work. Wow. Great. That would be fun to track that down. Um, yeah, they, they did like a TV, like a mini series. Yeah. And I, I think it was like, they did the, the Robert De Niro Godfather part two stuff where it's Vito Corleone and he's young and that, like it's all chronological, uh-huh. so that that would be kind of interesting to watch. Um, so now, speaking of what you were saying, um, uh, awards the movie wins Best Picture, Best Actor Marlon Brando, Best Adapted Screenplay. It's nominated for Best Director, uh, first Best Supporting Actor. We have Robert Duvall, Al Pacino, and James Caan all nominated. Shoot. Uh, All deserved. Yeah. Uh, also nominated for best costume, best sound, best editing, and then it was nominated for best score. But then there was a whole thing about like a, a song being used in another movie before this, and so mm-hmm. then it like kind of got voted out, and they like recast ballots for it. Kind of weird, but sort of like not interesting. Yeah. Thanks <laughs> um, for mentioning it. Yeah. Uh, the screenplay is by Mario Puzo. 
and Francis Ford Coppola. Puzo did the screenplay for Godfather 2, Earthquake, Superman, and, and Superman 2. Puzo or Puzo? Oh, maybe it's Puzo. Because there's no T. Yeah. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> music is by Nino Rota, uh, and he did Eight and a Half, which is a mm-hmm. famous movie I've yet to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did The Godfather 2, and pretty much everything I saw was Italian. Nice. Like, all Italian stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then we already talked about the cinematographer, Gordon Willis. Comes out March 24th, 1972, on a $7 million budget. Makes $135 million in the U.S. and 268 worldwide. That is a lot. Highest grocer of 1972. Could you imagine a world where this movie outgrosses like Marvel in a year? Wouldn't that be wild? That would be crazy. That'd be pretty cool. I, I think... The, so this movie, you know, is huge at the awards. Like, on it coming out, everyone's like, this movie's a masterpiece. Everyone's seeing it. Everyone loves it. It's still considered that way. Mm. And it's hard to imagine a movie doing that again and box office and stuff. The one that comes to mind is Parasite to me, where it's like, it did well at the box Whoa. office. Everyone knows it's a masterpiece. Yeah. And I think in 50 years, we'll still be like, remember Parasite? Yeah. Like, probably, like, people will probably argue it as like maybe the best movie of like the first 20 years of this millennia. Uh huh. Um, I'm fine with that. Or century, not millennia. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's like the only category I see as like a kind of a similar. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't like pour over all the Oscars and yeah. try that thought. Um, so now, now we can actually talk about the movie. <laughs> so the movie begins, and I'll, you'll hear me say this several times in the episode, with one of the best scenes ever filmed. You have the guy say, I believe in America. Yeah. And he's requesting. He worked so hard to come over here to America and have the American life and the American dream and give his daughter the American dream. And his daughter meets a boy and he's so proud of her because she's achieving the American dream. But then she goes out with this boy and these other boys and they take advantage of her, but she kept her innocence, but they beat her up. Yeah. And I need you to get rid of them. And then, then the Godfather says, you come to me for justice. You, but you don't ask for respect. And he says, you you were not, you, you have not been a friend to me, and then you come to me, and you ask this request, on the day that my daughter is to be married, uh-huh. and yet you've paid, when was the last time you invited me over for coffee? Uh-huh. Already, you're like, I can't believe how much I love this movie. Yeah, it's, it's good. <laughs> and the guy says, be my friend. Yeah. And he does. He takes care of it, and of course... He says there'll be a day where I come where I need to call on you for your to ask for a favor. That day may never come, but if it does come, you better be ready. And okay, here's I love I love this. I'm just going to talk about this part. Um he tells him what you just said. And if you're like me, you're watching the movie and you go, "Okay, the guy's going to have to like move money. He's going to have to break some law." Something bad, and he's probably going to have a bad end in this movie. But what I love is, after Sonny gets murdered, he goes to him, and he asks him, this is my favor, I need you to clean up his body so that his mother will not see him like this. And I think that's such an amazing, like, it's beautiful, 
Mm-hmm. And it's also it's also just not what you expect. It's not. It's like for those uh, individuals who like get that kind of cash out. It's like it's family. Like you're doing things for one another. Yeah. Because they did something for you. Um, and you you do learn. It is interesting because you learn how they make money, but you don't ever really see it mm-hmm. how they do it. It's not really about how. Yeah. It's just it's gambling, and as prostitution, one of them. Yeah. Um, those are like the big things for them at the beginning of this movie, yeah. but we don't really see them doing it. Right. You know? And so it is interesting to see like these non-money favors being handed out. Yeah. And, and I, I don't think that we can stress enough how much like when Italian, Italian Americans were seeing this movie, they were like, Oh, I've never seen this portrayed in film. Like, like a wedding, like a kind of yeah. wedding that I've been to, or like when the when they're describing how to cook to Michael, and yeah. they're like, "Yeah, I've I've heard that. like so." This was such a cultural event for people for Italian Americans. Yeah, for Italian Americans. So, yeah, it's so interesting that this is so. There are a ton of uh, I'm it'll it's men coming to yeah. Corleone, uh, asking for favors on the day of his daughter's wedding, as if this is the perfect opportunity to do it because everyone's here. Well, uh, they actually say that um, he he has to do it. It's like part of it's tradition. It's like part of the tradition. That his since his daughter's getting married, people can come and ask of him something. That's so interesting. Yeah. And the wedding is crazy huge. Yeah, it's a wonderful it's, wedding. It's a really long scene, this opening scene. Yeah. Of the wedding. We're, we stay with it for a long time, and really it's to be introduced to all of the characters that we're going to be with throughout the movie. And and you're just so steeped in the culture. Because yeah. it's, it's, you're, seeing, you're seeing shots of, of characters that you're not going to see in the movie, and you're just seeing, like, it, it, the movie's just so sure of what it's presenting. And you're cutting back and forth from this beautiful wedding to, like, some dark room that's lit beautifully. Mm-hmm. And these people asking for favors, and Robert Duvall is escorting them in and out. He's the consigliere, mm-hmm. and he, he you like know, a family lawyer. Family lawyer. We we have this great scene where um, Luca mm-hmm. uh, is uh, he is practicing before he goes and talks to the Don, and he's practicing like thank you for inviting me to the wedding, all this stuff, and then he goes in, and I think he's I I like him as a character a lot because I think it it's really cute and also yeah because he's so like in admiration yeah of him and and it's so great because he he comes up to him and he says i just wanted to give you this gift mm-hmm. i didn't expect to be invited to this and he doesn't ask for anything and from it sounds i get the impression that later on when he's called on to do something that's the favor given to him is that he can do something for the family oh that's that's how yeah. it feels because he feels so like i will do this i will risk my life for this and he loses his life yeah for it um, we yeah, also have so, the singer comes in. Well, okay, so the singer comes in, and basically the story that we just said happens in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we're introduced to um, uh, the Godfather Duval. You find out that Duval is uh, his name's Tom. He is not biologically a part of this family. He was just a kid on the street that the Godfather picked up and raised, yeah. like his own. Um, so he's, he's Irish and it's so interesting. I feel like often in gangster movies, there's an Irish person. 
Yeah. Like, because that's what's so interesting about Goodfellas. I mean, there's the Irish man. Well, it is. It's interesting, <laughs> though, because in Goodfellas, Ray Liotta's Irish. And the big point they make in that movie is he can never be part of the fold. He can never be a made man. A made man. Yeah. Because he's not Italian. So that is interesting about Tom's character. He's Irish. He was basically groomed to be the lawyer of uh-huh. the family. And he is meant to serve the family. And it's like, well, we saved your life. So you owe this to us. And he does it with like the utmost respect. But you see by the end of this movie and then leading into the second movie, he's kind of like dra- dragged around. Uh-huh. And it's just kind of like, that's what happens. Because you're not really one of us. Yeah. Really interesting stuff. I know. I so, All that stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. And then um, <laughs> we're introduced to Michael, who is Al Pacino. He is wearing an army uniform. So he has just gotten out of the army or relatively. Um, so he's a military man. It's He's the youngest, I believe. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't want any, any part of the family business. That was made pretty clear. He's dating Diane Keaton. And I think it's interesting. She's not Italian. She's yeah. just an American girl. Um, and he is in love with her. And I, this scene's really great because she's the one asking all the questions that we're, that we want to ask. Yeah. Yeah. So we learn a lot of it through her. Yeah, uh, right. Which is all, it's always great, especially because so, some of this stuff does feel different and strange if you're just like me and I'm just like an American, Yeah, you know, I don't have like necessarily roots in another country that are prevalent in my upbringing. Yeah. And so hearing hearing her kind of go like what why are these people you know going to your dad over here and what's this and it's nice it's it helps the viewer a lot yeah, if you he, don't have that experience he even divulges with her um i forget who did it but he was she told he told her a story about a guy uh you know my father gave him a uh, an offer he couldn't refuse he was either oh, yeah. gonna spill his brains or sign the paper uh-huh. and pretty violent graphic story if you're her yeah. hearing this, like first time she's meeting the family, like, yeah. Huh? And he's saying it was such a calm demeanor. Like this doesn't phase him. This is normal. Normal. And then later on when he like, it was interesting in this, uh, book on the Al Pacino part. Well, and the Diane Keaton part, um, him saying when, when Michael brought her into that family picture, mm-hmm. it wasn't so much like a love thing, but more like a, like political move potentially to like there is a, like you know what i mean it's not just like come in here because i love you it's like come in here because you need to be part of this family sure yeah because i'm gonna need you later on yeah does that make sense yeah um do you want to talk about sunny uh yeah we we're introduced to sunny who's his brother and he's he's kind of volatile like but he's the right heir. off the bat but yeah he is the heir and he's like he like cheats on his wife in this scene like he He's kind of a sleaze ball, but yeah. you know he's kind of like the amount of angry that you like to see in movies. <laughs> well, it's like let's do, let's do something about it. Action, action, action! Yeah. When Godfather is teaching him, yeah, did not do not speak until spoken to. He's got that cute cat. The Godfather does. Yeah, that just lays on his table when he when he puts him down his yeah. desk. Um, so yeah, we we have the great scene. Both of those scenes just intercutting back and forth. And then after the the singer talks to him, well, actually, one more thing about Sonny is we also see his temper. Like there's there's FBI agents that are outside the wedding putting down license plates, and then someone is taking a picture, and he walks up, smashes the camera, and then just throws money on the ground. I I was like, get out of here. I love I love this guy, even Crazy. though he's a terrible horrible. person. But it's, yeah. 
you just can't help but love that. Yeah. Um, and so the singer, who's kind of a part of the family, isn't going to get this role in this movie. <laughs> Same thing happened to the real life actor. Uh, and so he, uh, Brando has Duvall go meet with, it's either the director or the producer. Mm-hmm. So he goes, he flies out to Hollywood. And I always forget that this scene is in the first hour of the movie. And I always forget it's like not a mafia person. Yeah. It's just some yeah, Hollywood bigwig guy. And the guy's basically like, you don't ever mess with me. Do you know who I am in this town? And Duvall, Duvall the whole time, they're having well, this great dinner. This is crazy, too. Yeah. Because the guy was like, you have no idea what this man has done to me. We had this girl. We were, you know, we had her when she was young. And she was such a good dancer, actress, performer. She was the best. And we were all, we were all basically grooming her. Yeah. And he even said that he would sleep with her. Yeah. And um, then apparently the this guy, she ran away with him. And that's yeah. why the, he doesn't want him because he's like, he'd be perfect with this part, but I'm never going to give it to him. Yeah. And it's just like, what are the women are objects like this? What are you saying? This yeah. is so gross. So but Duvall th- is calm. He's calm. I love I love this because Duvall the whole time they're they're having this intense conversation. The guy's standing up. He's yelling at him. And Duvall's continuing to just eat and drink the whole time uh-huh. and answer questions. And then he's like, OK, all right. You'll be, sp- uh, you know, here's. Like, I would expect to get a phone call from you in, in a few hours if you change your mind or something like that. And he says, I, I got to go back to Vito because he, he likes to hear good, bad news right away. Yeah. And then the next morning, we see him wake up. He pulls back the sheets. There's blood everywhere. And there's a horse's head in his, his bed. His horse. Yeah, the his prize horse that he... $400,000 oh, okay. horse he got. Yeah. Um, and so... I mean, the guy gets the part. Already, we have like that is iconic. That's spoofed in everything. Um, We have like the 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 secret meeting, not the secret meeting, but vetoed. You know, in his office. Yeah, in his office. Already, we're one hour in, and we have things that will define not only like American cinema, but like comedy Uh forever. In in a, in a, in like American comedy, like uh-huh. The Simpsons and stuff like that, like all this stuff, pop culture, already, and we haven't even got to everything. And there's more. This is like still <laughs> Act One. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is this is not just an Act One, Two, Three kind I, of. Movie, I know it's but, it's like an epic story. Yeah. Uh, what one thing I did write is a movie just looks like a damn movie. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so this next part, this next big chunk of the movie is about um, this Oh, you're man. right. It is $600,000 on the horse. I'm sorry. Thank you. Um, this, there's this man who they keep calling him the Turk. I think he's Turkish. Um, but he is a guy that, that pushes opium and hair. Well, specifically heroin. Oh, yeah, this guy. So he's coming in to all of the five families and trying to get everyone to invest in his heroin business. Yeah. Um, and everyone's going to get a cut. Everyone's going to make a huge, like they're going to be the Kings of drugs Yeah. in New York. Um, and the Godfather's willing to meet with him, but it's just the, the family dynamic. So interesting too, because he is wanting to know what Robert Duvall thinks as the conciliary. Um, and then when they're in the meeting, Sonny wants to be a part of it. Yeah. But the Godfather won't let him. Well, and, and Sonny says something and he says, Never, like, if you're ever going to speak again, don't let it be in front of 
people who aren't the family or, or like ne- never speak your opinion outside of the family again. Yeah. That's what he says. Yeah. Um, and, and so this is another thing that I love about storytelling in general. Yeah. Is this movie takes place in this turning point of something that has been a legacy for so long. Mm-hmm. So you have before it's prostitution and gambling and they've been doing that for years and years and years and years and years. That's normal to them. And then there's this new thing, narcotics. Mm-hmm. And how does a legacy uh, uh, adjust to that? So I love when you're in the nexus points of events like that yeah. in, in, in stories and with, with gangsters and mob movies and stuff when it's not just like, yeah, we've been doing this and we hit a road bump, but oh, now we're dealing with drugs. We've never dealt with drugs before. What it, does that look like? And it's, to them, it, it is just a business decision. They don't think, you know, they already deal in gambling and prostitution. They don't think about the consequences it's having on people. Yeah, but yeah. They, they, do they say that those it, things are, they're, they, they they're like, controllable. They're honestly. controllable. They don't, they don't like, they don't have like real consequences. Yeah, which of course is not true. Yeah. But with narcotics, his big thing is you can't control that. It's a dirty business. Yeah, it's it's an addiction. I mean, the other things are too, but to him, he can't he can't accept that this is just going to be the same as the other ones. Yeah, so that's that. So he rejects the man's offer. Oh, we should say that, huh? Um, so then this is when Vito tells uh, Luca from the beginning of the movie. He says, uh, "You should act like you're upset with the family and join the crew." Get and- more info. It's just this great, and and I, I don't think I'm going to be able to describe it well, but there's this shot of Luca as he puts on this bulletproof jacket and grabs a gun and stuff, and there's something so um, just incredible with how, I really don't know how to describe this, but it, it just feels like he is doing something that I've never done in my life, mm-hmm. and it looks, and it, well, but it, it looks just re- looks, it looks so religious, him, well, I, him getting prepared for it. Yeah, I was gonna go a different route, but you're—that's oh, good too. I was just sorry. gonna say it's like it's like normal to him uh-huh. that he's gonna do this very violent thing, and and the movie's just so good at that where it's like it's a wedding, it's normal, but then it transitions to this other thing that's not normal. Uh-huh. It's like throughout the whole thing, it's like these are real people, these are real families. They're eating. Oh, but now we have to go kill this guy. Yeah. And it's just so like haunting. I I don't know. Well, there's like a desensitized desensitized air, yeah, over the whole thing. Yeah, that's really interesting. So then Luca goes. He gets himself killed. Well, not on purpose. Not on purpose, of course. And one uh, of the best strangling scenes oh, I've seen in a movie. It's brutal. It's so brutal. And later on, at the end of the movie, too, still like they know how to do a strangling in this movie. <laughs> I just think that. The thing to do is, I, I know this isn't true for all movies, like types of movies, but what these, this movie does really well is um, you know it takes longer than 30 seconds to strangle a person. It could take about eight minutes before a person is dead. Of course, in a movie... Wait, have you been Googling that? No, I just listen to true crime stuff. But well, the joke is you're trying to kill me. No. That's where I was going to try and lead, but too then many, you killed it. Too many variables in that one. Um, oh. But... In the movie, you usually get 60 seconds and the person is dead. Like, it's yeah. a 60-second shot and the person is dead. What this movie does really well is the person's being strangled for longer than usual in a movie, and then the camera just cuts away. Yeah. Like, yeah, do you know what I know, mean? We know. we know that they're... That's too violent for him to survive. 
And it's not that kind of movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and the way they're bulging their eyes out and stuff like Ooh, it, it really looks gross. looks intense. Um. So then, the 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 Turk, right? Uh, he, yeah. him, his crew, they gun down Vito Corleone in the streets, and then you know left for dead. They they kidnap uh, uh, Tom. And yes. then Michael is walking, and he sees a newspaper. Yeah, that says um, Vito Corleone may be murdered. So yeah. he, he calls home. Um, Sonny tells him he just needs to come home, come see mom. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he is freaking out, freaking out. That seems pretty intense with him and um, Kay on the street, and she's just not even – she doesn't even understand how this family works, you mm-hmm. know? So she doesn't even know what how to comfort or yeah. be there for him. Um, but it's almost as if he knows in that moment, you can kind of see it on his face, that it's time for him to get involved because it's yep. personal. Yep. Um, so he – okay, so then um, the the guy who killed or who shot the godfather has Robert Duvall – or Tom. Yeah, so that he can make peace with the families make now peace. that the Don is killed. Yes, and he's basically, you know, like he has kidnapped him, but he does let him go. But he is kind of like, think about our offer again. Yeah. And he does say, this is business. It's not personal. Uh-huh. And, you know, so do you think like he was set off to do that because of Luca? Um, oh, I don't know. I wonder if that had anything to do with it. This guy seems kind of ruthless anyway. Yeah. I, I I don't I don't know. Yeah. I, I think That's I think okay. there's there's part of it like I kinda get the impression that had if they're not gonna join them, then he was gonna attack them. That's how it felt. Yeah. Not like if, if Luca came or not, I don't think that would have affected I mean his once decisions. They, they killed Luca and saw the bulletproof vest and stuff, they're like, Oh, okay, they wanted more intel, so they don't trust us. So this yeah. is what we do when people don't trust us. Sure. Yeah. So uh, they let Tom go, families together. And they're like trying to keep Michael out of it. Yeah. And and they try that for a little bit. They're they're like you you, you know you need to stay out of this. There's the great scene you know, t- uh, leave the gun, take the cannoli. Where oh, th- yeah. that guy gets killed in uh-huh. the car, getting shot. Um, well, there's a really great great scene between I mean all the dudes, but especially Tom, Sonny, and Michael, where Sonny is loud yelling wants to take action at this moment right now and do something michael's just sitting in a chair doesn't really even know what's going on because he's forced he, he's been intentionally not wanting to know what's been going on uh-huh. tom as the outsider has is has the level head and is telling sunny we can't do that we can't do that we can't do that it's it's a business thing it's not a personal thing yeah and michael is like the in-between of all of this where he says i'll kill him yeah i'll do it and that's, you know, that's his decision to finally be involved. Although it was before that, the hospital scene. Yeah. Okay. That was before. That's when he, I think he really decides. So there, there's this scene in this movie. And I think that it is, you, you could study it for days and days and days on like building a suspenseful scene because this scene is so intense to me. Yeah. I get anxiety watching it every time. So Michael goes to visit his father in the hospital and there's no guards there and he's like where are the guards and already michael's starting to turn but this is like 
he's so so i think it, this scene's intense because it's just an intense scene but also you see that michael is like he's starting to get this and he's gonna start getting into this business and the important thing to know is he you know this is what we see as a viewer he is the first brother to go and check on the father like he makes the first right decision yeah when sunny is back at home trying to figure out what to do because now he's in charge but it's like his first thing is i'm gonna go make sure he's okay the respect and the yeah. love and the family thing. Yeah. So then he tells the nurse, do you know who my father is? And the nurse is like, yes. And he goes, they're going to kill him. We need to move him right now. Yeah. And she's saying no. And then he says, we need to move him right now. They move him. And, and the, just the, the way the music is building, his character development is building, you're like, this is so intense. And then you're hearing footsteps walk up the steps. And it's a friend. It's like the I think it's the guy who the made the, the wedding cake. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're worried, and he says, what can I do to help? So then Michael and he stand outside, and they pretend they have guns in their coats, and it prevents these people who drive by from shooting him. And this was also something I read in the book that I think was is like so spot on that I think you catch emotionally, but I don't think I quite caught. You know, where after that happens, that guy's trying to light a cigarette at the baker, and he's shaking. Yes. And he's, he's freaking and out. And Michael's and, not. And Michael is so smooth and calm, lights a cigarette. And, like, the camera lingers on yep. this moment for a while because it's Michael realizing that he's fine. Yeah. Which means he can handle it. And then we go to that scene that I was talking about earlier. And I think that that is, like, his first move for the family. Yes, is him. Is. Telling a person to stand there and use the and like fake pretend and he gave he has him a confidence because he said you'll be fine. Yeah, you're not going to do anything. We're just, it's just all appearances. And that's like okay, now he is like he's not only a Corleone, he is a Corleone now. Yes, you know? and especially he takes the first beating. You know, in, yeah. in this part of the family, because the police show up, you find out that the police are owned by a family. Uh-huh. The Corleones own like all of the political people in New York. You know, it's all corrupt. So the 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 sheriff, the um, police chief, punches him so badly that he is injured for like most of the rest of the movie. Yeah, he he breaks his cheek. Yeah, and he has like a like he has to dab himself he, quite often. I think often. he um, broke his sinus. Crazy. Yeah. Um, and his jaw. And the makeup in this movie, get out of here. And the acting along with it, like it just remains consistent in a way that's. I feel kind like of unusual. people just Even don't now. care to like put in that that type of hard work uh-uh. sometimes or or it's even just overlooked. Well, and I think even having a movie like he punches him, it breaks something in his face. We don't have a whole scene where he goes to the doctor and they're like, "Hey, you know, you bro-. we just see from watching. We don't need to have that conversation." And and just the audacity. We've seen probably millions of punches on screen and the worst that happens is they get like a split cheek and in this movie michael has makeup and stuff on his face and like a broken part of his face for most of the movie and at some point he's in italy for a whole year and his face is still broken yeah and then and then when he comes back to america someone says that doctor did a really good job Uh uh-huh so it's like he had like facial reconstruction surgery all Probably of this fixed stuff. his sinus or something. And I that's like know. the only line of dialogue we get in reference to that punch. Yeah. It's just, Francis is completely trusting that the audience is going to pick up on this stuff and understand it. And he, he respects us just like people respect the Godfather. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Feels good to be respected. Um. So then it dollies in on Michael as he says, I'll kill them. Mm-hmm. 
then um, we'll we'll get to the restaurant scene now. So they devise this whole plan. They're going to meet in a public neutral location. And be- prior to showing up, someone's going to tape a gun on the back of the toilet. Yeah. And that's when Michael's going to ask to go to the bathroom, get the gun, shoot the police chief and the guy who's trying to run the whole drug thing. Yeah. Um, the scene before it happens, before they go, they're all like eating Chinese food. It's like you feel this tension, but I'm also just like well, they're eating how- Italian food. Oh, oh no, it's just in no, Chinese boxes. No, so. never mind. I thought you were talking about at the restaurant. Forget it. Oh no, before they get the call, yeah, they're all just waiting around, and it's just like, what else are we gonna do? We're gonna eat. Yeah, but I'm just like, how could you eat? I don't <laughs> think Michael's eating though. But it is like it's pretty stressful. And one thing that I was noticing this time is uh, when and when he didn't use subtitles in the movie. Yes. Because yes, it was yes, yes. it was very specific. He only used subtitles when they're speaking Italian when you really need to know what's happening. But like in this meeting, uh the the Turk says to um Michael, I'm gonna speak in Italian. No, to the chief. Or the chief. Uh and they start talking and there's no subtitles. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know Italian, you don't know what they're talking about. And I think I'm not sure, but I, I feel like he's trying to keep you in Michael's mind who is not super fluent in Italian and also he's not listening to this conversation. Oh, yeah. He is like I need to figure out when I need to go to the bathroom and I hate this man and I'm going to kill I him. I imagine too that he is telling him this guy's an idiot. He shouldn't have punched you. That was way out of line. I'm apologizing to you in your native tongue like, you yeah. know, your condolences this was this is all business. This has been business the whole time. I feel like that's what he's saying to him. Just very political yeah. things. But I I just I like the idea that that Michael is is he's not interested in this conversation. Uh-huh. So we shouldn't be either. It's so good too when prior to this meeting they're like you're gonna you're gonna sit down and have dinner with him. You're gonna eat for a while. You're gonna have some wine. You're going to convince them that you are here to make a deal or to come to an understanding. You're gonna make them like you. And when you're there at the restaurant, you do not feel that. Michael is no, like, I am about to kill two people. Like yeah. you can see it all over his face. But There's he's so much not tension. scared about it. No, no. But it is just this realization of like, I'm about to commit a very final act. Yeah. That that means that I have to flee the country for yes. potentially the rest of my life. I, I think I think that's a great reading. I read it differently that he's just bloodthirsty. I think it's anger too, for sure. Yeah, it's it's. That's cool, though, that, like, this is the kind of movie where we can both have those two, like, you can think them differently, and the movie supports that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he kills them. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And then he goes to Italia, and he goes to Sicily, the motherland, mm-hmm. and there he he has guards, and well, he the, just has to be there. Basically, the family empire and the the mafia, it all extends there because there a couple times a guy tells him, like, it's not safe for you here. Yeah. You shouldn't be here alone or blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And so he falls in love with this girl that's there. Um, and they get married. And then they're trying to leave somewhere. They're try- they're, it's not safe for them, so they just need to leave in general. It's, it's nice. Time to go back. It's romantic. It's wonderful. Then she blows up because someone tries to kill Michael. Mm-hmm. That wraps up Italy. <laughs> Maybe that was too short a time to spend on Italy. I think that's good because there's a lot that happens in America during that time. So meanwhile, Vito is sent back home 
And Marlon Brando, okay, Mr. Whoever wrote this book, the scene where he says, where's Michael? What's, where's Michael? And then Tom leans over and he says, he killed them and he's in Italy. And he's so heartbroken that his son is in the family business. He is absolutely wrecked by that. Yeah, it's like he didn't have to. So why would he? It's... I mean, that that's like the Oscar right there for him. It's crazy. So with Michael killing those two guys, it sets out off a war. Yep. So there's a lot right. of newspaper headlines just talking about this, more, this war be- between all the mob families. And it's pretty bad. A lot of people are getting killed. Yeah. Um, then uh, Talia Shire, I don't remember her character name, but um, she's a, a daughter. Mm-hmm. She's the daughter from, from the, the beginning, beginning of the movie. And um, she's Adrian from Rocky. Um, she is, she, her husband is beating her mm-hmm. and she's and, pregnant and he's doing that. Yeah. And Sonny is like, you know, there's a scene where he beats up her husband and says, don't you ever lay a hand on my sister ever again. Mm-hmm. And then there's this scene and I really felt like the scene where we see her husband beating her up was extremely like graphic and intense i I don't know if that's like an age thing with me now but it was like hard to watch this this time around watching this movie like harder than any other scene in the movie yeah it was brutal and i i just was like heartbroken yeah he's like beating chasing her beating her with a belt and Mm -hmm. stuff and then she calls sunny and sunny's like that bastard i'm gonna go get him right now and then he leaves and then he stopped at a toll booth and the police officer, or I mean the the toll man, closes the window and sits da- like lays down, and Sonny looks around, and then these cars pull up, and they just Tommy machine gun him, him, and he's just so he bullets set everywhere. Set up, yeah. Um, that's when Michael comes back, because yep. that is like okay, it's time. No matter if it's, it doesn't matter if it's safe for, for him anymore, he needs to come back. So he comes back to America. He is now running things. Um, the Godfather is still, um, he's still like the Don, you know, the the one in charge, but he's like semi-retired. Yeah. So it's like, there are, there are times where people are trying to get permission from him and it's like, Michael has my every confidence. You talk to Michael about it. Yes, I love all that. It's great. And wrapped up into all this time when he comes back, um, he meets up with Kay again, seeks her out. And she is like pissed. And it's like, of course she is. Cause he left. She even knew that he was leaving and he yeah. never told her where she tried to write him, tried to contact him in any way she could, but could never get through to him. She probably, you know, she wasted years of her life waiting for him. Uh-huh. And of course, you know, he's back and he's asking for her and she is like, I can't do this. And he's yeah. pretty much like, I can't do it without you. Like, you have to do it. You have way. to do it. I chose you, which means you have to do it because I'm the man and you have to serve me. Pretty much is like really what it is. Yeah. And, and, she and goes. I don't think she gets in that car and she never comes back. And yeah. 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 And I don't think that they ever uh, off screen or anything. I don't think he ever tells her about his wife in Italy. Oh, I doubt it. I don't think that that he's he doesn't ever tell her anything unless she needs to know. Yeah. You know? Um, and it is like so true that he. He's with, I mean, you know, he says like, I care for you, but I don't think he says I love you. 
I mean, I think he does, but he is too like insecure and like macho yeah. to even say it. There is that scene much earlier in the movie where she he's on the phone with her and she's saying, I love you. And he won't say it back because there's all these guys in the room. He's embarrassed. Uh-huh. So it is like and he seems like a very emotionally distant character. So for him to come back to her, you know, that is his grand gesture. But it is still like a like logistical move. Even if yeah. he does love her, yep. you know, but there's still like always a catch to all of the stuff for him. Yeah. And and one I wanted to point out a shot that you pointed out to me as being more impactful than I had initially done it speaks to just the directing and editing in this movie. But there there's um I think it's the shot right after Michael and the Italian woman get married and they are beginning to get intimate. And then for probably an hour in the movie, we have not seen Kay. Maybe yeah. more. Yeah. And then it cuts to Kay in... Trying to find him. Trying to find him. And you were like, whoa, that's intense. And yeah. I, I didn't even think of it that way, but when you said it, I was like, oh, yeah. What what a statement. Mm-hmm. Again, without telling... They're just showing us the, the emotion. Well, These are people. It's crazy because it is like... So she knows he's going away. He's at least told her that much. He'll be going away. He can't tell her where and he can't tell her for how long. And that's it. So it's almost like, you know, she's taking that as like, okay, I'll wait for you. I'm devoted to you and I'll wait for yeah. you. And she probably assumes the same from him uh-huh. because that makes sense. And he goes <laughs> right. off and has a totally different life with a different woman. Yeah. And he marries this person. And it's like as if the moment he left, he forgot about her. Yeah. Kind of thing. And for 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 him to come back, it is like you f- you did forget about me until mm-hmm. you needed me. Yeah. Another another thing that this movie does so well and and it's in relationships, it's like with with Michael and the women in his life and just the and it's so it's just hard to do in a way that doesn't bore me a lot of times is this movie spans I would guess probably like 5 years maybe. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Maybe it's less, maybe it's less, but it's at least over a year and it spans so much time and it just does such a good job of, you know, there aren't like summary scenes where they're saying like, remember over the last year how we were doing this or it just, it just really feels like, it almost feels like someone sat you down and is telling you this story and it's just I can't even, it's such a miracle of a movie. For how many characters are in this movie? Which complicates the story. Yeah. The, the the actual what's happening is pretty through line. It does get bogged down in details. Yeah. But they're not like exactly that important. You can still follow along. We didn't mention that after Sonny is killed, the Godfather calls all of the families together to have like a peace meeting. And they all yes. they all like yeah. decide to like cease fire. We're done. We're all going to go back to what we were doing and not try to get anything more. Kind of more or less. And that's when they... I love that the one guy says, because um, they discuss the drugs again, and they're mm-hmm. basically like, okay, we're going to do drugs now. Um, and the one guy says, but that better stay away from schools and kids, because we want to control That's what the Godfather it. says. Oh, is it the Godfather I that says it? I think it is. Okay, I thought it was someone else. And then someone else says that they need to give it to anyone that's not Italian or white to phrase it nicer than he phrased well, it. Well, he pretty much said... People of different skin color are already using it, so just keep giving it to them. Yeah, which is I. I insane. think that's what the Godfather says. The Godfather doesn't. He say doesn't that. say that. 
Um, oh, okay. uh, he agrees with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah like, yeah, yeah. of course, like racism is rampant in mm. like the mafia and stuff like that. But um, it, that is just like so fascinating because I haven't done research into that, but I'm sure that that is true. And that was like a motto that they had. Yeah. Um, and you know, you were pointing out like the FBI did that or something like that. Just the government, the U.S. government did that. Like pumped drugs into people and to, who were not to lower white. class to the lower class, yeah, which was most often uh, people of color. Um, that's just that's just a fact. But yeah, um, <laughs> you're like, don't come at me. You can look that up. <laughs> but oh, there was something else about all that. Oh, just an interesting thing too, because they do this really well in The Sopranos. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Because it's the same thing. Like they are pumping drugs into certain communities, and they in season one they have they show um, Michael talk to his dealer, who who is the guy that's pushing it on the streets, and it's a black person, and he yeah. clearly had, does not like that person. Oh, Michael is the guy. Oh, is... Um, Michael Imperioli is the actor's name. Um, he gets shot. The younger one. What's his name? I don't remember. He's got like the crazy eyebrows. Oh, oh, and he's in Goodfellas? Uh-huh. Oh, okay, okay. I forget the actor's name, but it's, that's, anyway. I was just, when you said Michael, I was like, I know she's talking about Sopranos, sorry, sorry, but sorry. all I could think of but, is Al Pacino. But, like, later on, too, in, in, like, another scene we were watching, season we were watching, um, his, uh, Tony Soprano's daughter is, like, hanging out with this guy who, you know, he's really interested in what race he is. He finds out that is, like, he's, like, African-American, Tony does. Yeah. And he, like, threatens him to get stay away from his daughter because he will have none of that in his family and it's just like crazy so in this movie they say that thing about drugs and of course i'm sure that they're like they look down on people of color because they do drugs but they're the ones selling it to them yeah like that that whole just like that like it's that sick vicious cycle it's that thing and and c.s lewis talks about it in mere christianity (laughs) (laughs) but um how it's like if you hate something or someone, you begin to hate them because you hate them. And then you're like hateful because you hate them. And then you hate the way that person walks or that per mm. like maybe someone wronged you. I- I'm going to take it out of a yeah. race thing, but like someone wronged you or something and then you hate them. And then all of a sudden, like you can't stand how that person breathes. Then you can't stand how the person walks. And then he said the converse is true. Yeah. Or if you start loving someone that you don't like. Then you start to love them a little more, then you love them a little more, and you continue to love them until you love the person, you know? Yeah. Um, but that that cycle of, I mean, that is that is the American, I mean, that's part of what this movie's about, too, with, like, Italian-Americans, like, because they were victims of, mm-hmm. like, hate and profiling and stuff like that as well, certainly a different bag. And again, I want, I'm a white guy, so this is just from what I know from history and studying. Yeah. Um, but, but that, you know, that's the whole well, I, I American thing where it's like a cycle where you just they, go, I hate these people, I hate them. And then you, you yeah. give them one little thing and say, see, now it should be fixed, so figure it out yourself, guys. And that's what I think they accomplished well in the latest season of Fargo. Yeah. Because they, and there's that whole, it's one of the first episodes where they really dedicate showing you this one spot in Kansas City, the specific location. Right, right, right. And all of the families who have been through there, and there's all these wars that happened, and it was, you know, it was Irish, then Italian, then Jewish, then I'm getting it mixed up, but then, then black people, like it's, it's just all the same things. Yeah. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say? It's just, they, yeah, they do yeah. a good job of showing 
that part of history as well. Totally. Even though it's made up, it's like somewhat in a reality. It's like historical fiction. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, all that from the one line the guy said. Yeah. But it's really interesting. And I yeah. think this movie's, it's all about extrapolating that stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, so then we go out to Vegas and they, they're kind of starting a business out in Vegas. And there's this guy, Mo Green, and he's, Michael's telling him, like, how much will it cost to buy this casino from you? And the guy goes, I'm not selling you this. And he gets mad at him. He's like, do you know who I am? And he's kind of undermining him, like, let me talk to Vito. Mm-hmm. And Duvall's saying, he's with him, and he goes, uh, Vito gave him everything. You talk to him. Yeah. He's not going to take it and stuff. And, and then, that's also when they cash in the favor for the singer. Remember, it's been years since that first thing that they helped yeah. him with, and that's the moment. Because they, they do a good job in the movie from the beginning of the first scene of people asking for things. Throughout the movie, it's showing them asking back. Yeah, They're you're right, you're right. on them for that what, stuff. What, is he, what do they ask the to singer do, to like, do? To do like five performances a year at that casino. That's right. And yeah. get his famous friends to also do it. Yes. And then there's a great scene where one of... Th- one of like I don't know if he's an actual brother, but they call him a brother. Fredo. I think, he, I think he is a brother. Okay. And he to me he's like the the coward because he is yeah. the one who was at the car when um, the Godfather got shot. Oh, it and is he, him. Like, huh? He like fumbled with the gun and like dropped it. And then like, just started he, crying. And then and just didn't started do crying. Anything. Didn't do anything. And so like they they he was the one who was sent to Las Vegas to set everything up. And when we basically like that time we see him next you know he's got a tan he's wearing basically like a gold chain he seems like he's got everything together but very quickly you see that he's not in control that mo green guy is in control yeah and he can't do anything about it it's up to michael and he's like he's kind of saying like oh michael like just mo's got great ideas you know like maybe you should rethink it and then michael says he says um Fresno, you're my older brother, and I love I mean, you. Fredo. Afraid, Fredo. Oh, it, it auto-corrected <laughs> to Fresno. <laughs> uh, Fredo, you're my older brother, and I love you, but don't ever take sides against the family ever again. And oh! he also says to Mo Green, like, so you thought it was okay to slap my brother around in public? Yeah. And it was like, what has happened in Las Vegas since <laughs> this know? whole time? And it makes me want to watch Casino again really yeah, bad. Yeah, I know. Because that's all the Vegas stuff. Yeah. I mean... Any excuse to watch a Scorsese movie. Come yeah. on. Um, and then Vito Corleone dies. Um, he's playing very with sad scene, Michael's but like son. Sweet, you know? Yeah, that there's something. He, there's he no music like, for that. There's no music, and he really captures like the relationship between a grandfather and a grand son. At least son, but maybe just grandchildren in general. Okay, yeah. Because it just feels like like I see my grandpa almost in that scene. And like when he dies it's like I you know the kid just starts it's almost, like, it feels like they didn't tell that kid what was happening. His reactions were crazy. They were insane. But th- there's just something like that the way the scene is shot, of course it looks beautiful and then the way that it's just acted and performed it in and even the way Brando grabs like the stalks of the vegetables and kind of falls in a weird way. It feels like a memory that I have. Yeah. Like, it feels like, oh, th- someone filmed that thing that I experienced when I was young or something. I, 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 it's just, like, unbelievable. Uh-huh. Um, and so he dies, and then we have the great, the great, the baptism scene. 
Michael is going to be godfather. To his sister's kid. Yes. And so he goes, and the child is getting baptized. And meanwhile, he is having, I believe it's the heads of the five families, but Mo Green is one of the people. So I don't know if I just it's, think it's a lot of the people who were in charge in general. And so yeah. he was waiting for his dad to die to do this. Like, I got the impression that he wouldn't do this. If the Godfather was Oh, alive. I think you're right. That makes sense. So, Because they capitalized on it pretty fast. Yeah. And so then it's this great montage where everyone is getting assassinated while this child, who is Sofia Coppola, by the way, that baby. Yes, I knew that. Um, is getting baptized and, like, and becoming, according to the Catholics, like a Christian mm-hmm. child. So it's like this very pure thing. And the priest asking... Michael. Oh my gosh. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe that I he do. Yeah, and like all all the do you believe in the sacraments? Do you believe in blah 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 blah. Do, do, do you, you renounce you, the devil? And he says I do and then the killing starts happening. Yeah. Get out of here. And all the killings are crazy, man. They're crazy. We have the elevator mm-hmm. where the guy with the shotgun shoots him with a shotgun. Pushes him back and shoots him. Mo Green is getting a massage and he gets shot in the eye through his glasses. I don't know how they did that. I don't know either. That was crazy. And then the guy locked that guy in a revolving door, which seems like one of the worst ways to go. Yeah. Trapped. And then they shoot him. Uh-huh. Um, and then there's uh, like a police guy that's on the payroll. He guns down a couple people on some steps. Yep. And, and I then it think ends that's with, everybody. It ends with, so, you know, baptism, baptism seems over, but this part's not over. Because everyone's walking out of the church and his sister uh, is the one who's married to the guy who was beating her and is responsible for Sonny's death. Uh, Michaels tells him there's a change of plans. So in oh, between right, right. in between Sonny's death, which was caused by this guy, and everything that's come after, this guy is now like part of the family business. Uh-huh. Which you could just feel like, you could just see the look on this slimy guy's face. This is all he wants because that means girls and money. Yeah. Even though he's married to the Don's uh, daughter. Yeah. Um, slash sister now um and he tells him there's a change of plans go home and wait for us they get home or, or they go to his home and he says like michael tells him i know what you did we need you to like admit that you were responsible for Sonny's death and the guy's crying the crying is so good by the way oh yeah and he says like don't worry i'm not we're not gonna kill you i wouldn't make my sister a widow and he's like, you're going to go to Las Vegas and you're never going to come back. Pretty much. Yeah. So they pack his things, put him in the car, and then strangle him immediately. And the strangling is so brutal. He kicks out the windshield as he's getting strangled. Crazy. Unbelievable. And then... Um, so why are they moving out of like the family fortress? Because it's all over? You know, like they don't need it anymore? Are they... Uh... I don't know. Are they moving out or are they moving stuff in? No, they're moving out because that's the property. Okay. I don't know. I don't okay. know. Um, but then we have, like, again, another thing permeating pop culture. I mean, come on. You have Michael and, and Talia Shire, Shire runs up there and she says, you know, you killed Sonny. Or, I mean, you killed uh, my, my husband. husband. You killed my husband. And he's like, he, he doesn't even deny it. And then Diane or Kay says, did you do it? And that's when and he, he says, he doesn't say yes or no. He just says, told you not to ask me about my job. And she says, 
But did you do it, Michael? And then he hits the and he desk says, and he no. goes, or no, he doesn't even say, he doesn't no, he, confirm. No, he hits the, he he hits the says, desk and he says, you don't ask about my business. I told you not to ask about my business. So he won't answer her question, which is wild. And then, you know, he, he realizes that he overreacted in that moment, you know, seeing the look on her face. So he has calmed himself down and is like, this is the one time I'll be honest with you about my job. You can ask me anything you want and this is the one time. So she asks him again, did you do it, Michael? And he looks at her for a while. Says no. no. And she is so relieved. She's like, oh, I'm going to go make us a drink. Like, oh, we got to calm down. Oh, that's so, thank goodness that it's not you. And it's like, that's how naive they, he's keeping her, you know? Uh-huh. So she's going to make a drink. And then these, it, the, the shot, the blocking is just a masterpiece because you see her making the drink, but then you still see him in the office and there's these men who come into the room who are in the room and she looks to the door and a man comes and closes the door. And the last thing you see is her looking in as, as, uh, as like the, door the door is closing in front of the camera. So uh-huh. it's blocking here. And now she is officially cut off from uh-huh. like emotionally and, and being it, well, truly in any way. Yeah. But I mean, uh, besides giving him babies, but yeah. And then like, he is the Godfather now. Yeah. Um, Oh, it's so good. It is. I mean, it is as good as everyone says it is, you know, it is. It's just such a masterpiece. It's a miracle. I mean, when you, when you look into how it was made, which we talked about some of it, but not even all of the like trivia and stuff. It's like this movie by all rights should not have ever like, been made it it shouldn't have cleared the way it did but it did right and it's this miracle of film um i love it so 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 much good um i mean come on it's amazing it's a masterpiece it's a quintessential masterpiece and so i mean our con you know sometimes like for example our last episode we argued for Wonder Woman 1984 being actually a pretty fun and good movie. So we get to add, you know, that to the conversation about Wonder Woman 1984. What are we going to add to the conversation of The Godfather? Well, we're both 27, and the movie's still as good as everyone says. That's what we get to add to the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's amazing. I can't wait to watch two. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, our tagline is we exist to prove people wrong when they say that sequels are never better than the originals. And what are the two sequels everyone brings up and agrees upon? It's The Empire Strikes Back and Godfather Part 2. They so say, it's Part 3 that people don't like. Part 3 people don't like. Okay. And here's my little teaser for you listeners. I've only seen Part 3 once, and I saw it over a decade ago, so it could change. But when I saw Part 3, I really liked it. And I will say this, too. I just didn't even know why people didn't like it. And I still, but it's been so long, I'm not really sure what people's problem is with the movie. Okay. Maybe when we watch it, I'll be like, oh, I see why everyone hates it. But to me, it was really satisfying and I really liked it. So that's kind of to keep you along on the Godfather run. We may present to you why the Godfather 3 is good. Oh. I don't know. Because everyone also agrees that it sucks. And if you haven't seen these movies and you're listening to this... You should just, this is the time to watch it. If you're a fan of this podcast and you still haven't seen The Godfather, just, if the movie's too long for you, split it up into like 30-minute chunks. Yeah. Make make it a little show for you. It is worth watching if you have any interest in film. Yeah. 
And and what what's also cool is I, I this movie is so long. And I would say it feels long, but in all the right ways. It is an epic. That is yeah. the thing for sure. Like, like, cause it, this feels long in the way Lord of the Rings feels long to me where I watch it and I'm like, yeah, it feels like I was sitting here for three and a half hours, but I wouldn't have it any other way. No. And this movie's like that. Yeah. And so is the second one from what I remember. Yeah. Um, so join us next week. If you're wanting to support us some more. Or hang out on Patreon, hear me cover Holding Out for a Hero by Bonnie Tyler, listen to exclusive episodes, go to patreon.com slash Micah McCaw. And of course, this month we're covering Kill Bill Volume 1, so you'll want to listen to that. What's the date this is coming out? This is coming out the first uh, weekend of August. So this has been out for a while, but... You should listen to another podcast called Chilling Tales for Dark Nights episode. I believe it should be episode 95 where they narrate my short story, Stop Looking for Amy. And you can find that wherever you get podcasts. Oh, okay, cool. Um, and I... And it's spooky and scary. Cool. Just like the doctor ordered. <laughs> we. I'll have to make sure and link that. Uh, I'll put that in the episode notes. And um, I'm actually... Sorry, folks. It is. It's actually Space Jam Legacy this month. You keep forgetting. Well, I I thought I looked at Godfather Two on the calendar. Oh, that's next week. This one. This was the last weekend of August. Okay. And so we're talking about the LeBron Space Jam. And as of this recording, we haven't seen it yet. So. How many times have you heard us say we don't know? <laughs> because we're saying it again because we still haven't seen it. But um, thank you for listening. Listen to Jordan's story being read on the podcast. That's going to be cool. Professional narration. Not like us stammering on this. All right. Uh, Listen next week or you're going to get an offer that you won't. No, that's not right. You should listen next week. And if you're. We'll make you an offer you can't refuse. There we go.